Hello everyone, welcome to Outspoken Outtakes, Volume 10, Quarantine Edition. Um, This is a collection of unaired material from a handful of past episodes, and if you like the guests that you hear, you can go check out their full episodes. Um, These are just parts of the conversation that, for one reason or another, didn't fit in the first episode and were held in the archives until now. Um, And it's a little interesting to listen back to these now as these interviews all took place long before uh, we had to shelter in place. So I hope everybody's doing well. This is a little throwback to what once was. Hope you enjoy. Check, check. What's up? What's up? There you go. I ate two eggs with some black beans this morning. I woke up kind of late and I felt bad about it. But we made it. Here we are. Black tea, green tea. No no white tea. No white tea. I do like a white tea. You do? Yeah. I'm, I always feel like they're... Um, it's, I like the taste, but it's not strong enough. Like I, always, I, want yeah. like a, I want a bit of a... I feel you. you know, I don't, that's why I like this green, because it's like a little bit of earth in there. You know what? I'm not a green tea fan. You're not at all? <laughs> no. Can I be honest with I'm you? I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I'd, I'd it's, prefer it. I won't. If, mm. Even if I want tea and if there's green tea, I won't. I'm like discriminatory to, to wow. green tea. I just don't want it. Do you, there's wh- just like a... There's, the taste is just doesn't agree with me. Huh. Yeah. It's probably the exact thing that I'm Yeah, it's probably searching into that, for. that exotic flavor. Well, no, I don't like exotic really. I just want like... I want it to taste like dirt a little bit. Like that's oh, why yeah. I like I like really dark coffee and like really yeah. I don't know. There's something about this sort of earthiness of it that appeals to me. Yeah, I feel. And that. I don't like this sort of flowery and fruity teas. No, I know. I'm with you on that. Sometimes there's actually flowers in your tea. It's true. You've gotten that? Well, yeah. Like actual. Well, chamomile is is like all flowers, right? I've gotten it. Well, yes. Oh, I mean, you mean I've, you've gotten like accidental? Yeah. No, no, no. These are these were intentional flowers. Mm. It was like. You know, one of these kind of bullshit like California tea shops or Pseudo whatever. Pseudo spiritual. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And th- there was like, you know, like a bunch of wildflowers in my tea. Weird. Just floating at the top. That was their thing. That was like interrupting my lip. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Here we like we thought you might want some leaf litter yeah, between you is, and your drink. This is yeah, and I I don't recommend it. Yeah, it doesn't no. sound good. Isn't that what strainers are for? That's like what a tea. Yeah, you could just strain ball. it. Right. But it's for the look. The look was nice. It looked yeah. beautiful. Well, they should put it in there and present it to you. Yeah. And then they should come right out and take it out with a little strainer. So you they don't should. Have to deal that should be it. part of the ceremony. Yeah. They should light a candle and pray and you know and yeah. just scoop your flowers. And, and then, then they dry it. while you're drinking the tea. They dry the flower. And like a sacred geometry pattern, right? And then they put it on a and piece you of paper it together. Yeah, to do what? Yeah, to like thread into your garment. That'd be beautiful. It would be. I'm gonna tell those people. So, like, a little bit of background that may help inform my taste. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up in Wisconsin. 
Cool. I what was part? Uh, Madison, mm-hmm. not too far. You guys are Ann Arbor, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I applied to Madison and almost went. Oh, it's great. Sorry, I, I need to hit this do not disturb mode. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking, fucking it up. <laughs> I should know that. Don't worry about um, it. And, you know, it's like a pretty like rich, multicultural type of area. Yep. College University campus. kind town. of Yeah, exactly. All walks of life kind of vibe. Yep. So it was good to... It was good to have those kind of environmental inputs for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was I was also kind of stuck in the trappings of like what I thought you had to be like in a as a genre of human, right? Like a John fucking Hughes movie, right? Where it was like these kinds of people, <laughs> yeah. the, like the jocks, the fucking, sport or, yeah, 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 all that shit. And so, like, I found my like what I thought was like my path in skateboarding. Okay. And. By extension, musically, I was into like punk, okay, especially SoCal punk, like mm. all the SST record shit. That was like what I was inspired by. Like it was like on all the skate videos, mm-hmm. um, and then that kind of turned into hip hop, um, just like as a continuation of that spirit, right? Um, so now, like, and and then like that's kind of where my interests have like projected into. It's mm-hmm. just like like raw, nastier more experimental like progressive type of music but you know i still love like all that shit i used to used to listen to all the indian punk stuff but it doesn't it definitely does not age well for me it's really hard to listen to yeah like sometimes i'll catch myself in a nostalgic mood right and when i hit it it feels right yeah and it just kind of transports you back there right and everything's clicking and it feels nice but you know for the most part yeah i don't really want to go there yeah and you know, it's strange, isn't it? That yeah. it? Like it's such a big part of your identity for oh, this huge. period. And then yeah. you're like, well, it's not me anymore. So, and, but I think, well, I think the music is what, you know, good quality music does stand the test of time, you know, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's in everything. The good quality stuff is in, it's an influence for everything that's kind of kind came of after that. Yeah. 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 But it's even that stuff. Like I heard, I heard the Beatles. I'll always love the Beatles. I don't, I don't know how I could not. But yeah. but I'm kind of tired of them. Like I, you know, I've been my entire life listening to the Beatles, and uh, I think they're amazing. And I think it's beautiful music. And I have tons of nostalgia around it. But I don't need to hear all of it. All the, you know. Yeah. Like certain songs, yeah, I'll play them over and over. But a huge part of their library, I was like, yeah, I've heard every one of those yep. at least a thousand times. And it's, it doesn't bring me joy anymore. It's not, there's no surprises. There's no, you know, like I, sometimes that's, I like the comfort of knowing what I'm listening to, but mm-hmm. more often I don't. Like, I'd rather just have it thrown, like, whoa, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah, no. Be introduced I need, I to something sure. with, with blind, you know, just no, no prior input. That's my favorite way to see a movie, to read a book, to anything. I want no, I don't want any spoilers. I don't want yep. any, like, oh, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to, no, no, this part doesn't, you know. He, oh no! It's just the, he just dies at the in the middle. I, I have the same thing, man. Even when I was a nuts. kid, like I remember being obsessed with the movie Home Alone. Like, <laughs> and now it's like become like a cult modern obsession right. of like it's become like that new Christmas classic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I remember when Home Alone two came out, like, and I used to watch a shitload of TV. That was my you know existence as a kid. Uh-huh. TV and movies. I'm you was know it? that's where like all my narratives about life were formed. Was, Me too. Like, in those mediums. Yep. 
It might uh, be a Midwestern thing. We have we, yeah, have a, so. we clock a lot of hours of TV. Yeah, in the Midwest. Oh my. I, yeah, it's just the snow. Yeah, like you're snowed and in the you're summer. In, it's and too, you're in the basement. Yep. It's either too <laughs> hot or too cold. Turn the TV on. TV on, and all that the just time. becomes a default. It's just on. You know. Yeah. And also, you know what's? Cr- I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, you go to the video store, and I don't know if you had this habit, but when you rent a movie, you watch it three times. Because you worth. have it three days, right. and you gotta pack it in. There's no way you're just gonna watch it once and then go return it. I did that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, th- but I think by that, by repetition, that it, it prints in your it brain better. Itself. Yeah. yeah, it's and true. The, the memory is so much stronger. Like I don't have that. I'll have it now in a modern film if it, like, if I'm not bored and like it's hitting on all those like all those levels. Mm-hmm then it will leave that impression and I'll leave and I'll be like, damn, this shit's fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm going to see that again. I'm going to go to the theater again. I'm going to make sure I watch it as soon as with a friend when it comes out or whatever. Yeah. But it, like a film has to be that good for me to, for it to hit on that level where I remember it. Do you have any recent examples? Um, I mean, I just, I love the favorite. It's great. Oh, I still haven't seen it. But yeah. I heard it's Definitely good. check that out. Cool. Oh man, I'm oh, so bad going off top. <laughs> I'm we're, I know it's hard to be on the spot like that. But have you? Um, were you going to say something about Home Alone? 2? Oh, Home Alone Two. So back to <laughs> the Home Alone Two example. Yo, I love that movie so much. That Home Alone movie, and yeah. you know, just watching all the television, impossible to not get hit with a Home Alone promo at some point. Right, Home Alone Two promo. Yeah, and every time it would come on, I would like run away. I'd plug my ears. I'd put the covers over because I was so excited to just go into it raw. Wow, and not be influenced by the, the marketing, like the lead yeah, up yeah. to it. And what? And that was young. That was yeah. I was probably like twelve, maybe eleven, something like cool. that. So you knew then. You didn't yeah, I knew. I knew the the like the trappings of like movie marketing and what Mm -hmm. they're trying, like the hooks they're trying to throw at you. And I just didn't, and knowing it was a sequel that Mm. like, it was probably going to be on some bullshit or just like rehashing every single joke. So it was like, need to like sequester myself from any inputs going to this raw. But I think that silly behavior is actually carried forward into how I want to see a movie now. Yeah, totally. Now as an adult, you go la 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 la. when I'm doing my different studies, including the biofeedback work, I'm not just looking at these measurements that are known measurements. I'm looking at these other realms that we can't 
so easily articulate that are fleeting inside of us, this whole emotional landscape that's dynamic and constantly changing of mm -hmm. what it means to be alive. And so when you get like, <clears throat> with that example, the biofeedback is the readout. How are you translating the readout? Like when you see it or are you at all? Are you just looking and saying like, this is me being alive and these <laughs> are the things kind that... of kind of watching it. Okay. Um, I don't, you know, some people are interested and they say, well, oh, if you feel a certain emotion, if you get mad, does it change a color? Right. Um, in the example of connecting my body to my Sandine image processor or, um, you know, does it sound different? And it's more about just witnessing. So I've done the the sound. I think you actually lent me equipment when I first started right. doing, yeah, yeah. doing it in an auditory way. Um, when I first started sonifying, and this is mostly brainwaves because this is more of a portable system that I can bring with me. And I did this brainwave um, sonification in different locations, and it always sounds different. Okay. So the most recent time I did this was in... Um, in the salt mines under Poland. And so this is one of the deepest places you can go down into the earth and where, I mean, tourists can go to certain parts, but we went way down with a guide and we had to bring like the oxygen wow. in and How far? like How the fire. I think it was about 2000 feet into the ground. And it, crazy. it was such a transformation I bet. and it was really small crew. So I did this meditation there with my, um, you know, the biofeedback and we're taking the sounds from that space and mm -hmm. the way that it sounded there was much different than when I do it like in my living room. For sure. Yeah. So I'm more, I haven't necessarily translated it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just more witnessing it and the sound from the, um, the experience and the performance in Poland was then used for a planetarium show. So okay, the space cool. I was in was like a dome space nice. and, uh, and then we used, I used the sound for, for another piece so I can share it with a larger audience. Cool. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask next is like, what, where is it just in the performance of it that others can see, like, are you videotaping it? Is it, is it something that people just have to be there to experience or no, I, I, mean, I, I guess it's different for each thing, mm -hmm. but I reshare it too. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, being live is a different experience. So like when I did my initial biofeedback performance where I connected many points of my body in through a Sandine image processor, which is a historically significant uh, image processor. So that outputs video and some sound. I did it for really long periods of time, like five hours, eight hours meditating. Wow. And I'm just laying there on a table and it's um something about the energy of the space changes that is palpable like people wow. can feel it when they come so when you watch it afterwards it's different of mm -hmm. course um so you know it's it's really cool when you can go because we have that shared space we're experiencing together and now i'm looking at you know how could i set it up so it's easy enough for say people to put on a headset and then make music together and what would that look like and right. that could be really fun too because that's something people always ask me is that they say they want to be hooked up yeah but it's not always safe so oh, <laughs> I think really? we could find a safe way to do it what's not yeah. safe just that it's electricity running through a body yeah okay <laughs> the first time when i very first started doing this work in like 2011 I was connecting my body, I think it was 2011, it might have been earlier, it might have been like 2007. I was connecting my body, I was trying to connect it to the um, image processor. And so I 
wanted to use, I thought I would use acupuncture points and acupuncture needles because oh, I really respond to acupuncture, but then it was like... But electrified <laughs> under, on yeah. the points. And I've had, I, I do get electroacupuncture okay. and it's really intense, but in this scenario, this was way too intense. Yeah? Yeah. Did you do any sort of test or did you just stick a needle in and... Well, and I tried to like connect it directly to the BNC cable (laughs) and it was just going to, it was too big of a shock. So I couldn't, I couldn't do it that way. So then we ended up, I talked to some doctors about it and figured out some healthier ways to do it. And actually, you know, we have enough energy coming off of our body in many different ways um, that I didn't actually even need to, some points I couldn't connect all the way because it had too much energy and it would kind of blow the image out. So Mm. I had to even play with how much can I connect? How close can I get? And what did the images images look like? Were they, are they just constantly moving? They're constantly changing. It's on a screen. It's on a screen. And so, you know, the machine I was using when I use the image processor, the beauty about that is it's an analog computer. Mm-hmm. It's a vintage computer. It's huge. It's like the size of two refrigerators. Yeah, I think you showed me a picture of yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. you might have seen it before at my place. Maybe I saw the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, works in real time. So there's no, there's no digital um, crossover. There's no lag. Right. It's um, it's all in real time. So this is really interesting component to it as well. And could you do something with the? Could you? print print somehow or have like the moving image i mean it's just you could so record I it, it i know video. you could record mm-hmm. but but is there another way to transmit that into some other feedback or some other visual sure per, you sure know finished is, yeah, yeah piece prints, or something prints um i've yeah, used sound i've done video projections i've tried it a few different ways i think um for me it's more the act of exploring this uh, relationship of connecting our body to technology to help us use it as a mirror to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so I want to ask that question again. What, like, with the feedback that you've gotten, how, how, what, how have you incorporated it into your way of being, and how has it helped you? Because you, I think you said you wanted to use it to to be a better person, right, or to be be a, to help humanity mm-hmm. and to be the best. I think with all of my artwork, that's ultimately my goal. And I don't know if people look at my artwork and say that a lot of people, a lot of the feedback I get from people when they look at my artwork is they say, oh, it's beautiful. And it's scary. Really? <laughs> that's, what, that's a general like that's that's a very common thing I get back. And I think this is exactly what I'm talking about, how we can use our technology to different um to different ends and which do we want to go to so when i'm using the um the biofeedback or neurofeedback and i'm doing meditation with it i'm consciously kind of thinking of how do i want to use this technology who do i want to become and this is a a time to stop and pause and say we can use our technology as a mirror back to ourselves of who we want to become Um, and if you know one of these ways is focused introspection even if it is through artistic interpretation, um, that to me is a a positive thing, especially in today's world where we're so busy. Yeah, that's true. Do you um, <clears throat> do you climb into the salt tank? The salt, the uh, I do the, the deprivation. I do um, often. 
Yeah, I have a sensory deprivation chamber. And actually, you know, the same, it's kind of from the same school that the salt tank emerged from the float, the sensory deprivation chamber that also the Sandine image processor came from as well. Like all those guys kind of knew each other, hung out, they were in the same school of thought. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that this, there's a kind of a (laughs) reemergence, at least in my, in my home studio. And do you use the, the flotation chamber for meditation specifically or do you like you just go in there i do um i just try to check out like i try to do a classic meditation just go into a breath meditation and then just i'm not um yeah i just i'm out like it's not sleeping it's definitely a state of meditation and and the salt tank is actually the uh, the sensory deprivation chamber, for those of you that don't know, is a salt solution that suspends the body. It's the same temperature as the human body, and it's enclosed in uh, soundproof, lightproof, um, everything-proof case. So when you're in there, you can't tell if you're going forward or backwards or floating through space, and it takes all the pressure off the body. So it is used for healing and medical purposes, and really you can get into really deep states of meditation but if you're not into all that it's just really relaxing Mm -hmm. so actually the um the salt chamber that i have at home is what led me to do some work in the salt mines in poland really yeah so i was an exchange artist um through the united states government we have artist diplomats um and i was an exchange artist to poland and I was working at a museum there, Copernicus Science Center, as an artist in residence there. They hosted me. And I, uh, I learned that there was these salt mines under Poland, which were really attractive to me because this is like the womb of the earth. So I really wanted to float in the water there. Mm-hmm. And they actually heard me out about it. Excuse me. They said that I couldn't do it because it was the brine is actually really dangerous, mm, they said. It's, like um, it's I wouldn't, I don't think it's toxic, but the pH is such that it would burn your skin. But they said the bigger issue is that if we glorify an artist floating in there, everybody's going to start jumping (laughs) in in the water. Because I guess people like often try to get in the water there. Uh Um, And I've seen it. It is really beautiful. But that's what led me to do some work in the salt, some some artwork and performance work, biofeedback in the salt mines, because I really wanted to float there and they did take me on um so this is uh Vilitska and Boknia these are the salt mines of Poland they have this really long history so of course the long history of the earth making the salt mines but then this really long history of mining I think it's over 700 years of mining and you know forced labor through the wars and really interesting and dynamic history and you can feel a lot of it down there so I was um, very fortunate that they took me on a, a boat through one of the deepest rivers in the salt mine. So even though I didn't get to put my body in inflow, I still had this really magical experience. And it went through these little cavernous passageways. and um, So 2,000 feet under the earth, there's, there's like rivers and salt caves lakes, and yeah. things and, and they so and nice. they eventually you know form back into these salt cavities again like they're going to collapse on themselves they have been right. collapsing on themselves there's definitely places like that we can't go mm-hmm. and then introducing some of these man-made materials and different things make you know different gemstones now and different kinds of salts crazy mm-hmm. that's so cool but i guess um you know these salt mines were interesting too because 
I was talking about the mining history, but they, it was used since the Neolithic period, like the salt that would come up and they would um, somehow like take it from the, the water supply that came up to the earth and salt was really valuable too. It's the number one spice from the beginning of time, right? <laughs> there you go. It's just always been. And so that's... It's also, you know, it's interesting too, because it's in the same um, relationship to the earth as it is to our body. Like the earth is... The ratio, uh -huh, you mean? The ratio of salt and water and, and the earth and our bodies. That's oh, just coincidence. Mm -hmm. down right now that how could it go anyway but disastrously you know when when you all you have to do is be pretty to be to suddenly have all the attention of yeah of millions of people and that's your platform i'm pretty i don't know though because i know a lot of pretty people and it's 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 also there's also the whole industrial like aspect of like wealth and privilege behind it pushing these things forward to us through the media right it's like it's well, I wish it was just beauty. No, you're right. It's more you're like right. actual like no, it's, greed it's behind it. Access and all the other things that come Exclusivity. with it. Exclusivity. Right. Yeah. No, I don't mean to discount those things. I'm just saying in terms of values, like if we, if what we value is somebody's physical appearance, think about all of the rest of the list that gets left out of what oh, a of human, course. what a human can be. Yeah. You, we, we singled out the least important thing and made it. The well, most. it turns out the cure for cancer is beauty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if only, but it, you know, we have this obsession with, with like pr prettiness and status yeah. and celebrity and all this shit. And none of it means anything. So status uh, is what I think sticks in me with that stuff is like when people talk about the difference between dogs, like, and I, people have such a hard time, like, grasp grappling with this idea is i'll be seeing somebody who's like you know they don't deal with a lot of dogs like yeah professionally or anything but they see like a dog missing a leg and they're they just cannot understand how this animal just doesn't care right and i'm it's to me it's very clear like what's different here is that they don't that didn't change their status mm -hmm. as a dog like okay. to them in their dog society or hierarchy or but whatever. don't you think it like, does in certain situations because for can't. some reason it's different for us that you become a disabled human right, being right yeah well we love to categorize and classify and then and then just shove aside yeah. like that's kind of our specialty but we all get yeah, because we also we do judge those people yeah 100 percent as, yeah, well, as I, less than and yeah. dogs don't necessarily do that right in the same way like, no i mean no, that's what i mean like none of those things i mean status in our society actually means a lot we yeah. like having it means a lot but I'm saying that it intrinsically means nothing. Like there's no, to, to be of a higher, yeah, to say the like, the fact that I'm, you have it doesn't 
say anything about doesn't make, you necessarily. Doesn't it doesn't increase your worth you, as a as a individual as a right. you know representation yeah. of consciousness. It's not a reflection of you being awesome just because you no. have you but, know, more stuff than another person. But we have collectively decided that it is. It's exactly that we've as a society we've decided that. That's exactly what it means. In the back of my mind, there's this whole, we, we talk about, you know, or we have to consider going back through the past. There's this whole missing piece here. And that's the power structures that, you know, created these worlds. And, you know, you think of uh, the idea of the, there's that person saying everybody get in. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the people like listing around, but there's also this huge aspect of somebody just constantly turning those people away from the person saying, come get in because you have to do this. And like the, right. I know personally, I have like, there's a definite relationship to my ability to express my own empathy versus how much free time I have. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. So that's a problem. Well, it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I bet your empathy is just there. It's there. It's frustrated. You have, you have empathy, but, but yeah, there are all these obstacles in the way of it now. And that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm empathetic as hell, but if you are being a prick, it's harder to do, to have yeah. that, you know? And if a whole bunch of people are being mean or whatever, yeah. it's, I just start to fall into that trap of being yeah. like, well, they're, they're all like that. Or they well, you start your day, you know, sun's shining, you got music going, you uh, come to the stop sign, you wave the guy, you look at his phone. You must be speaking for yourself. For a few minutes. Not, not me. Oh, this is a hypothetical. Okay. This yeah. is, you know, all hypothetical. Okay. And then, you know, okay, so you're like, all right, well, whatever. You go along your day. Mm-hmm. You let somebody in front of you, and they're on their phone. And they just sit there. And it's like, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. I need to get where I'm going. But, like, eventually it wears you down. You're like, I need to stop being nice. Yeah. I need to stop. I, I need to get back to rushing to be the first there to make sure I get every single thing for who I am. The way that I drive yeah. is completely different from the way I live my life. I'm if I live my life the way I dr- drove, I would be, like, a wealthy person how, how so because you because you, you, you would just always be looking like, out for yourself to yeah. make sure that you always get that one step ahead yeah even yeah. if somebody falters for a second and they're a little bit slow you don't yeah. know that they're looking at your phone you go around them yeah just because that's like, funny i'm, the, I'm exactly the same way and i and i have that same sort of you know contradictory feeling of like that's not who i want to be <laughs> you know all. and it's not who i am when i'm not in the car yeah and like, when i'm in the car it's actually frustrating me and causing me stress to right be that way totally it's not who i am Some places like have really dark energy. I mean, because I'm from a pretty dark place. Where are you from? I'm from Memphis. Okay. Yeah. What kind of darkness? Because I agree. I mean, Memphis I to me was take. always there was a there were beautiful bright side things to Memphis. It was really really beautiful city, uh-huh. beautiful town, but it had some just 
dark undertones of it, of its its own culture that it was, it just always seemed to be carrying its own demons around. Mm. Um, in terms of just racism was just, yeah. I mean, I just feel like you could like taste it. It was so obvious and everywhere and harsh and, um, that Were you was, aware I, of that really early on? Oh, really early on. I don't. I don't think you can grow up in Memphis and not be incredibly conscious about race from the start, mm. or at least as as early as you are conscious of human existence. Wow. Because I feel like it was just palpable. Do you think that's more true in Memphis than in other southern, well, you know, strongholds? I think, I think you know my my grandparents also lived in Alabama. My mom was from Mississippi, so I did spend a huge amount of time in the South. And I know that, you know, I would spend my summers in Alabama. I, I definitely feel like I could sense it there, but I just felt like in Memphis, it was overwhelming. Hmm. Um, and I do think it's gotten a little bit better. I was, I was there, um, three years ago for the first time in 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it'd been a long time and, um, I, I could feel a little bit, bit of a difference. It was still there, but I don't think anything like what it was in the eighties. Huh? Yeah. That's good, I think. I think so too. But I think Memphis in and of itself always has a dark underbelly of, of a lot of drugs too. Yeah. It does have its own like dark seedy history. For sure. I'm not sure it's ever really going to like shake off. Probably not. I think it's part of the beauty of its culture too. There's yeah. Just, it's kind of like New Orleans. It's I was going to say, it's really similar to that. Where right. There's definitely some, some or Chicago or yeah. things, you know, places it's where you know. It's just got its seedy self yeah. to it and you either love it or you hate it. And right. I think that it it's always kind of, um, made me a little bit more fun. Yeah, to be from there. <laughs> yeah, to that's, be from there because I, cool. I think you have a huge acceptability of who people are. You're like, oh, I've I've seen way worse than you. You're fine. Okay, that's you know, I mean, kind yeah, of like taking that as like been ex broadened. Exactly. Okay. My my spectrum as a child started out very wide. Um, and I feel that way in terms of like t like meeting people from all over the place. Yeah. But I think they were still of a type, like the type of people that were drawn, like who are drawn to a university town are different than right. those drawn to a. You know, That's true because Ann Arbor drug, is a major a university town. town, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. University of Michigan. And we're kind of a river rat town. Mm hmm. Yeah. But music is deep. I deep, mean, that's the know, thing. That's, we, we call like all these, you know, blues musicians. And, you know, you yeah. have, I can see where your, the, the demographic of your town would be completely different. Although I mean we claim Iggy Pop, oh. so and and a, there was a huge punk scene. Congratulations! But he doesn't claim to be he from doesn't? there. No, because he lived sort of on the outskirts, like maybe in Ypsilanti or one of the one of the neighboring okay like poorer towns. Yeah. So he thought Ann Arbor kids were assholes and rich kids and snobs, but uh, but it's still his influence was huge in the in, you know there was a big punk contingent right. there. Right. Um, and then Bob Seger can't, can't uh, Bob give Seger it up for Bob Seger. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And in like, he's I mean, from the interior of Ann Arbor. I can't hate on that. Yeah. I, I do love me some Bob Seger. Uh, down so. on Main Street. Yes. They're not two terrible people to have uh, associated. Yeah. And there are other, you know, there are other things. Well, the university is known for all kinds of stuff. Right. The laser was invented there. Was yeah. it really? Yeah. And okay. The, and it's got all kinds of other great things. You mean like the, the cat chasing laser, right? <laughs> yeah, the actual, <laughs> the light automated uh, sensory electric. Oh, is it electro, really stand for something? It yeah, it's an acronym. I had no idea. Yeah, I wish I remembered what it is. Things but. to Google at home later. Yeah. Laser and then uh, Generation Y, Z. 
XYZ and and beyond. Figure out where these timetables truly lie. I don't I don't know if anyone really knows. I mean, Um, I just feel like did you grow up on an Atari? Yes or no? (laughs) That's a good way to gauge it. Atari or Nintendo? Yeah, because there is there's a dividing line there. Mm -hmm. Like Nintendo was wow, that was moving up. Like I feel like if you had to play Cubert, which I personally love Hubert's the bomb it was the bomb and then pong don't you remember Uh, always always and forever pong yeah and i liked them all i mean i liked uh missile command and and i think that was more of my brother's kind of game yeah Yeah. i like i mean i played every atari game known to humankind because my brother and i would save up we would do jobs around the house and do like make money so we could go buy the next game. Oh, nice. Every time. Like, oh, this is coming out. We got to go, got to get venture. We got to go buy venture. Save up, you know, we need 10 bucks. Do you, oh, do, were they selling for around $10 back then? I think then? back then it was 10 or 12. I mean, because that's kind of like the equivalent of like what, 35, 40 dollars? probably today. Really? Okay. Yeah, which is what which they is are. pretty expensive. Yeah, new games. Are, yeah. Yeah. But this makes me lead into the fact. So my youngest nephew is four, I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Pretty around sure. there. <laughs> terrible, terrible it's loving all, aunt. It's all the same yeah. between. <laughs> it's kind of the same. Yeah. But around when he was three, um, my family is huge into video games. Okay. Still to this day. Comic books and video games. So every room of my, my father's house, which would be my nephew's grandfather, or, or is a different gaming system. Oh, man. So he has grown up in virtual reality headsets since before he could fully walk. That's nuts. And I wonder, and I, you know, I, I looked at him the first time I saw him walking around and yeah, can he grabbing walk? for things. I was like, you guys, I was like, are you sure this is a good idea? <laughs> and they're like, he's going to start experiencing at some point. They're like, we are putting him on the cutting edge of understanding what wow. virtual reality is. And I was like, hmm. huh. I was like, it's guinea a, pig. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that is one way to look at it. Yeah. Um, but cutting, I, I am curious. The cutting edge is sharp and painful sometimes. Yeah, I wonder like... Can you imagine having that alternate reality be so prominent Prominent when you're literally growing up before you've actually even had the ability to understand reality versus yeah. non-reality? Yeah, so, I don't think it's good. And I, and I don't think it's the same as some people claim as like what we had with TV or video games. No. Like, I don't think there's no, any. No, that's like alternate world yeah, sensation. You really are taken out of yourself and you're in this I mean, I, I, all most of the adults I know who have tried it, have tried virtual reality, yeah. have injured themselves or broken something no way. on their first try. No. Yeah, because they don't know what they're doing. They're swinging around. I had a client who put his hand through a sliding glass door oh, God. the first time he ever played this game. He got I so into it. He was like, to just sit down on yeah, your first try. Yeah. Get in a padded room with a wow. beanbag. Yeah. The first time I tried it was um, they put me in an underwater video game. Oh, where like cool. a, a shark was trying to attack me in my fish tank. Uh-huh. And I was relatively unfazed by it. My brother was also terrified of sharks. So when he did, he was like dodging around. Right. Um, but I, it was still, it was beautiful. It was amazing. It's pretty realistic. Yeah, right? it's pretty you realistic. like you're doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I really felt like I was just hanging out underwater. And you know that's going to be stretched into every imaginable scene, right? Yes.
last time you worked in an office? Never. Never. I've only ever been in an office environment as like a someone who did something else in the office. Oh, okay. Like I, you're well, like I'm here to fix the copier. No, well, sort. Of, <laughs> well, actually, the closest I came, the, the I actually did work in one. I guess it's technically an office because okay. I had a cubicle. Oh. It was at Art Rock, which is what is that? It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Maybe it, maybe it does online, but it, it was a it was the original like rock poster supplier for san francisco oh, so they did cool. all the Fillmore poster right like they on. it was like the printing and you know well at one point it was all production and stuff and sales but i worked well i got hired on as just sort of the random guy who i was like the handyman at first okay. and then i worked in the mail department i i later became the bookkeeper um and then i got fired because the boss uh had some issue with my <laughs> It's it's kind of it's a really stupid story. He insisted okay. that I I was already the bookkeeper. I was already doing the job that was into that I needed to do, and I knew how to do it. You know, I was just doing the like two columns and right. And uh, he insisted that I take a class, like an accounting class. And I said, I don't need it. I don't want it. It's boring. It's a waste of time. Please don't make me take that class. And and he said, I I'll pay for it. And I'll pay for the the books and everything, but you have to take the class if I'm going to pay you this rate. Right. Know? I said, okay, I'll take the class. And so I went to City College, you know, night school. I sat in. I, I think I made it through one complete class. Okay. I drew the whole time. I took notes, but I also was just drawing. It was right. super, super boring and basic. And um, and then I went back to work the next day, and. I did not um I did not buy the book and he had already written me a check to buy the book. Okay. And I went back the next day and I put the check I never cashed the check and I'm trying to remember how the the chronology of events. At some point he came in screaming. Like came into the office screaming at me about being a thief and a this and a that, you know, you stole money from me. You, and so he, his claim was that I took the $30 or the check for $30 and pocketed it and didn't yeah. buy the textbook. And that was my big scam. Yeah. You know, even though I was the person dealing with money, I was the person who had the, the books. Like I could have done $30 anything. $30 is going yeah. to go a long way. This is the same person who gave me $5,000 in cash to go buy a car for his wife as a surprise present to actually go make the purchase and drive it back. Oh, here. $5,000 in 20s in a giant stack. So he trusted me to go do that. But then he decided later, you know, I think he was, uh, I mean, I called him a cokehead. I don't know if that's fair. Is, this, but is he a coke dealer on the side? Because how do you I, end up with $5,000 in 20s? Well, he made good money in the in the okay. business. It went up and down and he was wow. he was a reckless dude. But um, there at its peak, that business was doing really well. They were selling like bullshit signed guitars posters. and lots of posters <laughs> right. and lots of other, you know. Wow. You know, Pete Best came in, the only okay. the only Beatle who didn't wow. become a Beatle. He okay. came in to sign some stuff and sold his poster, his whatever it was. For some markup value. Yep, everything was marked up. Wow. It was a fun place to work, but it's not right. your typical office. And that's I think that's true. the closest I've come. I've also okay. worked like every like shitty maintenance job. You know, I, va okay. I vacuumed offices. I cleaned, All right. I've cleaned that's up. That's as close as you wanted to get to them? I never wanted to get... I mean, I've, I've been curious about a lot of different things and I've had probably 30, 30 or 35 jobs okay. in my life. And um, 
which is saying a lot because I've had the same one for the last 21 right. years. So the other 30, whatever I had before that. Yeah. Uh, between like 12 and 26. Yeah. You know? um, and I liked a lot of them. I drove a cab and I waited tables and I did some fun stuff, you know. Yeah. I never, ever aspired to sit at a desk and... Now you you're know. doing like the, the anti-desk sit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I still have a computer screen, but it's only to look at stuff I like to look at. Right. And I don't, nobody's telling me what to do, what to do or which hours to work or where to be yeah. when and, you know. Yeah. The showing up for work on time thing was always a challenge to me. Mm-hmm. That, Especially that was, the early jobs. That was, that was the great. <laughs> what, I, are, what are some of the jobs you've had or some um, examples I've had, of? What? I've gotten really lucky in terms of having jobs. Um, I, my first job, I worked at a portrait studio, mm. worked with photographers for about three or four years. And it was a small place, so it was just very community-oriented, and I just love photographers I worked with. It was good. Nice. You were their assistant? You just yeah, like yeah. load cameras and Load cameras, change the film, uh-huh. check people in. Cool. Sit, sit there. Comb hair. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sit down for a test shot. Okay. Right. Um that and was your first job. That ever? was my first job. That yeah, it was pretty great. It was it was really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then, um, let's see. In New York, I I had a, a like a menial job working for an attorney throughout college. Okay. There was nothing really like except for the people were really great, but uh-huh. like it was just I, filing. It was just filing. So. I was there. I was just I needed money in college, and yeah. that was that. But then in New York, I um. I was an administrative editor on an international economics theory journal. Wow. And that was really incredible. I how'd that there. come about? Is <laughs> that your training at all? No, I had I had minored in economics. Okay. And it was one of those things where um, I moved to New York. I applied for one job. I went on one interview, and that was the job that Holy I got. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And uh, it was beautiful. Um, if you've been to New York, then mm. you know I worked on Washington Square North, right, on the side of the arch. Okay. So my office was up in the third floor up there and i overlooked the park and it was it's like the perfect dream was, thing it was about the most perfect situation you, had you just probably, moved there i had just and you moved fell there into that job. <laughs> did you have like a perfect af- apartment too i had a beautiful apartment up on the upper east side so Holy yeah shit. yeah That's it was awesome. um it was really wonderful and the thing that um that was kind of the job i think that changed my life because um both of my coworkers were turkish mm. and i can't i can't really say if this is the way that all turkish people are but they did not actually care if I got there on time. Nice. And they did not actually care what time I exited the building. Really? As, as long, long as you did the As work. long as every day my work was done and it was done properly because everything had be. to be so right, you know, mm-hmm. um, as long as it was correct and as long as everything was done by the end of the day, and then, you know, I could you know, kind of awesome. come and go. And I, I kept it within a parameter. Yeah, you weren't like super. Of, yeah, I kept it normal ish. Right. But like, like if a I was six hour day, right? But if I showed up thirty minutes late, there wasn't anybody there being like, "You're thirty minutes late." Because in my head, I'd be like, "Well, what's the big deal? Yeah. Like, I'm still here to work. Like, isn't it? Are we getting to the same goal here?" Right. Um, well, they they probably take thirty minutes just to make coffee, right? I mean, kind of. But the, the the thing that I learned, they would take off in the middle of the day and be like, "I can't work right now. I'm gonna go see a movie." <laughs> and I'd be like. These are the that's best awesome. people I've ever met yeah, in my life. That's a great work model. I um, think. But I think that changed everything for me where I was like, I don't ever want to work in a place ever again where I have to show up yep. at a certain place. And then um, I was the director of life improvement at P- Pivotal Labs here in the city, the software company. Okay. And I 
basically knew everyone's work needs that they needed in terms of their food and what made them like happy during the day to like keep them focused. And, wow. And That's computer kind of really cool. pairing. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. The only thing is I had to be there super early in the morning, which was uh, a big challenge for yeah. me. You just don't um, like waking up. I don't early. like waking up. I, you know, I do like waking up because I like being alive. Okay. Um, I don't like waking up earlier than my body wants to get up. Mm -hmm. I like waking up in the morning to be a very natural process. And how often does that happen? Like once a week. That's something. Maybe twice. Okay. You know, I mean, because I think at this point I'm kind of regulated to like waking up at eight o'clock in the morning. Really? But if I Whether don't, you want to or not. Well, if I don't want to get up at eight, I just go back to sleep. Yeah. That's nice. That's, you can do that? Yeah. I can, I can, I can really push it. If I, I can, the very latest I can leave my house to go to work is 10 o'clock. Okay. You know, but I try and leave at like 9.15. Okay. So once Wait. again, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, keeping it within some parameters, yeah. but that like but 30 to 45 minute window, I kind of need to like operate successfully. And, and how much do you think that influenced your desire to be a dog walker? A hundred percent. Okay. It was the main thing. That was like the main thing. My mornings and... are incredibly precious to me oh, in that cool. way. It is more important to me that my morning starts out in the way in which I envision yeah. than, than the rest of it. Wow. Well, and dog walking also got me because I really wanted to be outside. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. I'm interested in your morning thing. Has that always been an important... Is it a ritual or is it I just mean, like, it's not that ritualistic. Time, it's just that I, it, I, I don't even mind being messed with. It's oh, not... Okay. I'm very pleasant in the okay. morning. You just want that time. I just want that time to not be stressed and like I'm waking up and throwing on clothes yeah. and brushing my teeth and grabbing a tea and running out the door. That to me is so such a stressful way for my body to wake up. Yeah. I just kind of prefer to wake up and I think that's smart. take some vitamins and brush my teeth. Uh-huh. Turn on the news. Like uh -oh. it's, it's the all, news, yeah. Right. Oh, I that's, watch the news every morning. Really? Yeah, every morning minute. and every night. That upsets the balance in my in my view. Does it? In no, I like, like I have to have a and self care. That seems like a tr a serious intruder. I learned not to internalize the news. Okay, how come you watch it? You just want to. Be I need informed? my hand on the pulse. I need to know what's okay. going on. I, because what, I think at this point, for no, for my own sanity, I think that the way in which our world is moving, it is moving so fast mm -hmm. that if you're missing little snippets of turns of what's happening in our political climate, mm -hmm. that you'll look up in two weeks and you have no idea the beginning root of whatever the story was. And backtracking through this system of news that we're in now is nearly impossible. Right. So I just like to get the kernels of information as they're released. Okay. So I'm always kind of up to date. I'm always up to speed. Um, I try and listen into the world news during some point of the day. Okay. So I kind of have an idea. Because the thing is, is I used to watch the news and I would get the world news in with my news. But now there is no world news in my national news at okay. all. So you kind of have to, you know, you have to watch your local news, your national news, and then you have to check in for international news. Wow. But as long as you just kind of check in, you can do it in like under 30 minutes. And, just and you're not impacted by the negative, like the, the ugliness and the... Not anymore. Really? I was wrecked for a while How did you about stop? the news. How did you change that? I think I just emotionally disconnected. Really? Yeah. How does that work? Like, do you? I not? don't know. I'm pretty good at emotional disconnection. Uh, okay. Once I've really decided <laughs> that I'm going to emotionally enough. detach from something, I honestly have no problems being like, not for me. But, so, what, if, but what if it's stuff that affects you or affects... Well, everything people. that's happening in the political system clearly affects my yeah. life and my country and my countrymen. Um, but I'm not internalizing that as to assuage anything that happens throughout the course of my daily day. Okay. I'm just taking it as knowledge. Oh. And I mean, it's really, it's really all I can do with it. 
Well, you, I could teach you how to ruminate and how to like, you know, beat yourself up about things and how, you know, there are all kinds of stuff I think you could I'll do with okay. that knowledge if you, <laughs> no. if you wanted to. I, no. I like your model better than my own, Yeah. but I, I'm not able to absorb. I can't take in the news without absorbing it and internalizing it and oh. emotionally I have a really great it. bullshit deflector. Bullshit deflectors and detectors and rejectors and protectors. I'd like to be protected from the bullshit. And um, I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. Um, I'm pretty tired of people mistreating one another. And... I want to see it change and I don't know how to do that other than as an individual to just try to be better and do better and be nicer and help people and look out for those who uh, are less fortunate and in positions of being oppressed and discriminated against and abused uh, and killed. So this is a rough time for Americans, rough time to be an American if you don't agree with uh, (laughs) this destructive behavior. It's just the worst. It's just the worst. Um, but we must continue fighting for what's right no matter how tired we get no matter how many a-holes present themselves and the good people and the goodness stick together and will prevail in the end so let's all try to do our part Whatever that is, I know that being nice is better than being mean, so that's probably a good place to start. All right, I love you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of everyone you cross paths with. See you next week.